With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? Where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. We're at it again. Welcome to another meeting of the London Club Council. Now, representing Tottenham Hotspur, in this corner, we do have Brett Blakemore and repping Arsenal is Robbie Rosenhouse. So boys, let the banter begin. Welcome again to another edition of the London Club Council, recording right after the Arsenal results, uh, right after I got done with Sunday Sermons on the Fan, because there is a lot to talk about between our two clubs and the world of football in general. Um, a lot of games going on around Europe as we speak, uh, including some Bundesliga stuff, some La Liga stuff. But honestly, do we really care about that? And also, I want to get into um, well, the international break as well. We do care about that, but not the domestic leagues. Traditionally, no, we don't that's care fair. That. And and good afternoon to you, Brett. Yes. This is Robbie Rosenhaus uh, representing Arsenal here. We do have El Clasico today, Barcelona against Real Madrid. So that Ooh. is a blockbuster yeah. affair that uh, we will mention on next week's episode. Yeah, and, and see what happened there. Um, I am actually, before we get started into our two clubs, um, I am pretty excited for this international break, I gotta say. Um, with most of the guys that you expect, obviously Tyler Adams is hurt, but most of the guys that you expect to to show up for a, a USA camp is there. Um, a couple Nations League games, I believe. I think Grenada on the road, and then someone else at home who I can't remember. It doesn't matter. Um, those should be two wins. And we still don't know who the manager will be for them. Um, could it be Thierry Henry? Could it be um, could it be there was another could it be Mourinho? Could it be Greg Berhalter? Who knows? But all I know and it is uh, El Salvador at home uh, on uh, Monday the 27th. So I'm looking forward to both those games and I anytime that I can see Christian play, uh, more than the 20 minutes that he plays for Chelsea most times, even though he did start uh, last match um, against Everton. Still, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing this core grow a little bit more and hopefully getting a manager. Pulisic came out pretty hard for... Uh, I mean, he didn't... The point of the interview wasn't to be pro-Burhalter, but when he was asked about Burhalter, he didn't say, oh yeah, get him out of here. Like, I don't, I don't want this guy here. Uh, he was very okay with the Baralter. Um, he said it grew on him over time. I don't know if I'm allowed to use the audio, so I'm not going to. Um, yeah, man, it it could be him. It would have to if it's gonna be Baralter, then something has to happen with Gia Reyna. Either they kiss or make up, or his parents, you know, move to oh. Canada or something. I don't know what the solution's gonna be there, but if it's gonna be Baralter, there's gotta be some some 
resolution to this whole thing before I feel like they can move forward. Yeah, no, I mean, it's been a wild few months of, you know, bombshell developments with the Gio Reyna stuff and then obviously with Burhalter and the domestic violence thing. And it's just been a complete and utter blank show in terms of how everything's been handled. And yes, some high profile candidates have come into uh, the spotlight, uh, leading with uh, Thierry Henry, who uh, had some dealings with the Belgian national team and now is looking for a uh, head coaching stint. He turned down the French women's national team because he perceivably thinks he has a chance at getting the men's national team job here uh, in the U.S. I think it would be a, a decent appointment. Um, he, he's coached in the MLS. Um, he's coached internationally. I, I, you know, he, he obviously played an attractive style of football. I assume that that's what he'll implement here. Um, the Burhalter's status is still up in the air, so there's a lot still to figure out here. Hopefully it'll be a nice, quiet international break, but I fear it won't be. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, we'll talk more about USA when the, the matches are actually close. Uh, I will say that a lot of people that I've – I wouldn't call them experts, but people that I read online – I have a lot of concerns about Thierry Henry just from his uh, Red Bulls track record. Is that valid at all? Yeah, I mean, he, he had a mixed record in MLS uh, up in Montreal. Um, and he he was an assistant on the uh, Belgian national team under Roberto Martinez, who is a really good manager. And uh, you may have seen on ESPN coverage of the World Cup in in, in recent years. Um, and he's been a Premier League manager, Roberto Martinez. He, he managed uh, a, a few clubs in England, actually. But uh, so he learned under him. And uh, he obviously learned as a player under one of the greatest managers ever, Arsene Wenger, for playing for him and then going to Barcelona. So he's played for some of the biggest clubs in the world. He's obviously one of the greatest footballers of all time. The question is... Um, can that translate uh, here uh, onto the pitch for these players? Um, and with the, the young up-and-coming um, group that they have here, whether or not it includes uh, Fuller and Bal- uh, Balagoon, who's Arsenal property and playing in League 1 right now and playing amazing and scoring goals left and right, would mm. maybe be uh, the next great striker um, for the U.S. We think he can. Time. So... Um, he he's already turned down the uh, the um, the, the overtures from from England, or it appears from his tweet um, earlier this week when he did not get called up for international to- duty. He basically kind of insinuated that he was moving on uh, to somebody who will um, who will definitely um, uh, value his services, and he's basically triple capped at this point with Nigeria and England and the U.S. So we'll see what he chooses. He would be a big addition to the squad uh, as they gear up for uh, Copa America and then obviously the uh, uh, the World Cup in a few years. How do, how do you say his name? Folarin Balagoon. Folarin Balagoon. Uh, the, the interim coach, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, uh, he said that there are ongoing conversations with Flo. He just called him Flo. So they're they're tight like that. They've got little nicknames for him, and okay. he he has the That's IG post. It is good news. So I'm looking forward to uh, hopefully. And it, and you said he's an out and out striker, right? Like he is a number nine. He plays up. He's a center forward. 
Yes, without a shadow of a doubt. There is one thing this U.S. team needs desperately right now, and it is that number. We You have the, the rock-solid midfield. You have the wingers. You even have some number uh, guys who could play a number 10-type role in an Aronson or a Reyna, but no one is that number 9 for Team USA. That would be huge. And this is the former home of the Stars and Strikers podcast, so... uh. You know, maybe that will, I hope that that will still be a thing come 2026. Um, Let's start with uh, getting into the actual subject of the podcast. Uh, Let's start with your squad, because there's a lot to talk about with mine, and I don't think there's a lot to talk about with yours, so let's just get yours out of the way. Um, Another 4-1 win for the Gunners today. It, It looked all too easy. And Crystal Palace, no new manager bump for them. I'm looking at all the stats right now from the game. I mean, Sokka was a 9.2 rating on Footmob. I mean, the XG, the the possession, 62% possession for Arsenal, 15 shots. I mean, they just dominate them in every single category. It looks like it was just Gunners the entire way. Is that true from actually watching the game, or is that pretty accurate? So after getting knocked out of Europe uh, on the week uh, on Thursday yeah. against against Lisbon, which some fans will stay as a blessing in disguise, I would have preferred that they would have stayed alive to win a, a European trophy where they would have been one of the two or three better teams in the competition, um, along with Manchester United, who are still a very good side, and a couple of um, Italian sides. Albeit they're out of the competition. There were 11 games to go. Now there are 10 games to go. The first half, they were great today. They played fantastically, especially up the right side. Saka and Ben White had something really going on there. Now, Palace could have scored and made it 1-0 early. He, uh, Zaha hit the post, and then it went off Ramsdale, and it, it, it ricocheted to the side. Then, at 3-1, after they had taken control... Crystal Palace came back and almost scored again with Zaha off the left side that that basically went all, uh, across the face of goal that would have made it 3-2 in the 72nd minute and would have made for a last 20 minutes that would have been very nervy. But it didn't go in. They got a fourth, and then that was it. They ended up going to a makeshift back four. They took off a couple of center backs, and they put Thomas Partey, who's usually a, uh, who's usually a center mid. They put him actually at right back, which he had played in Spain before for Atletico. So And I had forgotten that until today. So they put a makeshift back four, and they ended up seeing the game out, and they saw the game out 4-1. He played well. The team played well. And this is a result that I would have expected. They were a 4-1 to favorite today to win at home against the Palace side that's bordering on the relegation scrap, but not really. I mean, if they lost a couple more in a row, then maybe they'd fall towards that 15, 16, 17 range. But right now, I think they're in 12th or 13th as we sit here today. And Arsenal open up at an eight-point lead. Manchester City does have that game in hand, but Manchester City's next game is against Liverpool, which will not be easy. Yes, it is at home. And yes, Manchester City get a bunch of these big teams at home, including Arsenal, in, in April. Uh, so there's 10 games to go. That game will come smack dab in the middle of those 10 games. I believe it's the fifth of 10. So it's not going to come early. It's not going to come late. Saliba is hurt. He got hurt in, in, uh, in midweek. So hopefully he'll be back for that game and they'll be able to get through some games against Leeds and Southampton at home. Yes, they have to go to Liverpool and that will not be easy, but I still think they're going to win the title. I've said it since we've started the podcast. I've said it Mm -hmm. since, 
probably four or five games into the season where I knew that there was something different with them. And we'll see if they can see it out now because every game will be completely um, in the microscope in terms of every little thing that goes right or wrong for them because now we're coming down to nut-cutting time where there's 10 games to go and basically they can see the finish line. I know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask you anyways. Is it is it a blessing or a curse that this international break is coming when you guys have won five out of the last five, your form's on fire, you've got an eight-point lead? Uh, would you rather have just gone and just kept the train rolling or do you think that do you think this will disrupt the vibes at all and i think i already know the answer that no it won't be but let's hear it from you yourself so when the world cup break happened i had the same feeling that i did now that i really didn't care as long as nobody got hurt and yes gabrielle jesus got hurt and that was a big blow but eddie and katia came in and until he got hurt he was a big part of what they did scored late winners scored goals So he did not um, do a bad job. What I will say, though, is that the momentum that they've gained over the last um, couple of games here domestically um, may not be halted, but in terms of their picking up where they left off, I just think that they're going to get better. I mean, they they seem to have gotten – they seem to be getting better. They're the they're one of the youngest teams in the in the in the league. I think Southampton now is the youngest team, but they're the second second youngest side. Bukayo Saka is twenty one years old, and he's putting in man of the match performances. Odegaard's in his early twenties, and he is being compared with some of the best midfielders not only in the country like Kevin De Bruyne, but in the world like Luka Modric. So when you have world class players, you expect world class performances, and you expect that when the team is together like this, even an international break or a World Cup break shouldn't be halting their um, progress in the league and progress towards a title. No, it shouldn't be. Um, Leeds next at home. That's on April 1st. Could be an April Fool's Day joke uh, for your Gunners. Probably not, though, um, considering the home form, just the form in general. Um, Yeah, all is uh, sunshine and rainbows over at the Emirates. Do we want to talk about my squad? Is there anything else? Well, Is there I mean, anything I mean, pushing no, your buttons I mean, on Arsenal, the Gunners? I mean, Ars- no. I mean, Arsenal, Arsenal right now are humming along. I mean, they have Leeds next after the international break, um, and then they have Liverpool, I believe, after that. So we'll, we'll see in a couple weeks' time You know where they sit. Liverpool's next two games are against Man City and against Arsenal, so they're going to have a big uh, part to play in this. But right now I'm as confident as I was. They're playing beautiful football last week they ran Fulham off the pitch in the first half and this Mm -hmm. week they ran Palace off the pitch basically in the first half and aside from one or two chances in the second half that Palace got close to goal they pretty much bossed the game they're the best side in the league right now Man City may have more talent but they are playing the best football and I fully expect them to go on and win the league I don't believe in jinxes I've said it all year long yeah and um yeah, I just think, you know, a, a little blip here or there. They lost against Everton when Everton got their new manager, but that manager's had a history against Arsenal really kind of shutting them down. So mm. not much more to say about Arsenal, but as we transition to Tottenham, it's a very interesting uh, place, as as I said on uh, on last week's episode, of 
uh, of Spurs. And before you is this get the into lost your, episode or last week's episode? No, last week's episode. Okay. And folks, we did a we, we did about 40, 45 minutes of an episode before we were uh, interrupted um, by by a a coup. Let's just say a military no! coup. And uh, yeah, so uh, we had uh, <laughs> yeah. Rose. We had military. Yeah, we had military radio come in and kind of. Uh, and ruin the whole thing. Take our studio, yeah. yeah. Take our studio over in a hostile takeover. So, yeah. but no, we're no, but, but we're here back, and it's good that we waited because we had some more results to talk about, including your squad. Which yesterday, I mean, we'll get to the press conference in a minute. We'll get to Conte in a minute, but first, I want to talk about the game yeah. and how they got off to a somewhat okay start. Uh, you know, and I had, uh, and I didn't see the game fully and I, I'd spoken to you about it and I, I, I watched the extended highlights and mm-hmm. I read a lot about it and it didn't seem like they played great. Um, but, you know, as Harry Kane does, gets, gets a chance, he's going to score. Yeah, Poro, if, if he didn't square that ball for Kane, who you or I could have put it in and he didn't pop that into the top of the net, I mean, the fans would have been on him. I know you would have been on him. But he, but he pumped it home, and good for him because that was really, really well done. But in terms of the lack of finishing a game and in terms of it's not physical, it's all mental. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they didn't go more for more goals and push for more and sat back and even at 3-2 kept sitting back and 10 behind the ball and they didn't push for more goals and – it's you're asking for trouble, and just like in hockey, when we say what the most dangerous lead is a two goal lead, like yeah. in soccer, it's it could be the same thing because once the other team gets that goal, you know, and it was of course it was Theo Walcott, a former Gunner, that got it, but um, it's it's, no! it's it, yeah, well, yes. So it's it's going to be fascinating to see what happens uh, with your club moving forward, and and like I said, before we get to the coach. Uh, and yeah. everything that's going on with him in terms of on the pitch and what you saw there, um, was it more of a collective disappointment or were there certain players that you were disappointed with? And I want to put all the stuff aside that the goals probably shouldn't have, uh, the penalty shouldn't have been awarded. We yeah. can have a whole podcast on that and it, and it was, so I, I we can't, can't go back and change time. It was, and you know, Arsenal had that happen earlier this year where they got screwed, and then the next day they came out. Oh well, you know, we should have, we shouldn't have awarded that. Well, there so, was a handball on the other side that didn't get awarded as a pen uh, against okay. Southampton, and then of course that one goes. Um, so, and, are you more worried collectively at the team morale, or are you in your head? kind of taking this on a case-by-case individual basis, saying, well, you know, Poro's in the team, he just came in the team, he looked good yesterday, da-da-da, and then we have the Kane situation, and then all these other guys, so how do you view this from hmm. 10,000 feet? Um, I, this is, there's no statistical evidence to go off of for for this, is just my feeling of watching the game, I was also, um, just to throw this out there, I was doing double duty, um, so if I don't remember every single thing that happened in the game, you know, don't be too mad. I was I was uh, doing radio as well as uh, had Spurs on on the side. From what I was watching the first half, I was confident Spurs would get a result and get three points for about 75 minutes of that game. Um, I really thought they had it under... I mean, had it under control is such a weird... I mean, yeah, like Southampton were, were getting some shots and, and they, they did have a lot of shots at the end of the day, but I think that a lot of those came towards the end where Spurs were really sitting back. 
Um, and some of the stats, in my opinion, are a little misleading. Like the the XG was like slightly in favor of Southampton. The big chances were in favor of them. I don't know. Like I thought Spurs had it pretty under control. Poro could have had two or three goals. Honestly, he had so many Grade A chances that he he whipped very closely over the bar on his left. Uh, that his goal, his bar down one was just so beautiful. Man, that was. Uh, when you see bar down goals in in football in soccer, it's delicious. Um, I thought even uh, after the Kane goal, I thought they had everything pretty much under control. And and Perisic, it's 3-1. That, to me, you know, it's Southampton 3-1. Last time they played Southampton, it was at home, and they just bullied them. They dominated them. It wasn't even close. Uh, I want to say off the top of my head it was like uh, 4-1, something like that. Um, I could look it up, but I'm just too lazy to right now. Um, it was a dominating game. I remember that for sure. Um Overall, I mean, the second goal was a weird one where the, the the first Southampton goal, by the way, was right off the rip for the second half, and they were just asleep. They were they were not there, and Southampton capitalized a quick, uh, in FIFA, you'd call it a sweaty goal, right, where you just pass it right across, or a one-timer in hockey. You just pass it right across to the back door, easy tapping goal. Um, the second one was just a no one could clear it out. And the third one, I still don't think it's a pen. We're going to disagree on it. It's not a pen. Uh, at the end of the day, pen or no, you let a Southampton team that's not good come back into the game. And I'm I'm torn on it because I think, let, let's say, for instance, let's say that Forrester comes up big and saves another penalty because he saved a pen, uh, I believe, in the last fixture. I can't remember um, who it was against. Who cares? He saved He saved a pen. And I thought if he came up with that and they held on for the 3-2, I don't think we get that fiery press conference from Conte that we'll get into. And I don't think we get, like, yeah, it sucks that they let him back in, but, you know, it they got the result and that's the end of it. It it stinks that it happened to, uh, to Pop Sar as well, Pop Matasar, um, that he was the one who who gave up the pen. Um Still, we have yet to hear, uh, have you seen Dan Juma? Uh, no one has, because I can't remember the last time he was on the pitch for Spurs. Yeah. So um, there, there's that. Also, another thing to throw in, Richarlison, lest we forget, started this game, played five minutes, got hurt, was in tears on the way off the field. I still haven't heard what the update is on that, whether or not he's even going to be able to play the rest of the season or not. Typically, when you come off the field five minutes in with tears in your eyes, it's not a good thing. So Kulisevsky has to come on, essentially ice cold. I thought he played really well. Um, they uh, Footmob has him at 7.4. I thought he might have done even better than that. Um, he had a lot of good moves and um, got more separation than he typically does down the right wing. Um, again, there were bright spots if you look for him, but obviously the collapse is unacceptable. And, and then we have to get into what happened after. Um, and it, a point is a point, and if I really want to be an optimist, I can go ahead and say that. But it, it's it's unacceptable to be up 3-1 to Southampton and and only get a point out of that, 100%. But now, to the, to the press conference, which is fiery, which at the time... So here's an update. We'll, we'll get into... Let's start with the, what he said uh, entirely. And I don't want to... Play the audio just because I don't want to get in trouble. I don't know if we are allowed to or not. And also, it's probably slightly no offense to him. English is not his first language. It's probably a little bit easier to understand uh, if if we just read it out than actually play the audio. Um, 
called the players selfish. Um, quote, we are 11 players that go into the pitch. I see selfish players. I see players that don't want to help each other and don't put their heart. Before today, I tried to hide the situation and try to speak, try to improve the spirit of the situation with words. Um, uh, it's not about the tactical or technical aspect. This is one one situation. But if you want to become a strong team, you have to become uh, to become competitive. You have to fight to win with the desire, the fire that you need to have in your eyes and your heart, and show this in every moment. Um, he said, "Don't forget that in the FA Cup, we lost to Sheffield United, who played with young players. We were able, with a strong team, to be dropped out of the FA Cup." <laughs> uh, he, uh, if you have the fire in your eyes, if you have this, you don't go out of the FA Cup. And the most scathing thing he said, which I'm trying to find right now, um, which is almost the the favorite thing that you like to say, the, this is the history. What is the phrase? This is the history of Tottenham? Yes, it is the history of the Tottenham. The history of the Tottenham. Um, so someone asked, well, why do they not have the fire in his eyes? Why, why do they not have the desire? And he goes, quote, why? Because they're used to it here. They're used to it. They don't play for something important. They don't want to play under pressure. They don't want to play under stress. It is easy in this way. Tottenham's story is this. Great. No! 20 years there is the owner, and they've never won something. But why? The fault is only for the club or for every manager that stay here? I have seen the managers that Tottenham had on the bench. You risk to disrupt the figure of the manager and protect the other situation in every moment so is very scathing and on its surface is saying spurs stink and they always will stink and you know it's on the owners and it's on everybody no 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 so since this has happened um word is and here's uh from paulo kifa a spurs reporter that he won't be sacked the club has spoken with him and understand the points he was making and his explanation. For now, it's business as usual. So he basically explained that the his whole fiery press conference is that the players have been getting away with this for too long at Spurs. They're the ones that should be taking all the blame because it's, it's been 20 years. They've never won anything. And he's saying there's been good managers here, like a Mourinho, like him, uh, like a Pochettino. And always it's the same result and he's saying the common denominator is the players and not uh, the managers or the the uh, Daniel Levy and the management. Now, do I agree with that? I don't. I think there's merits of truth to that. I just don't think that he's innocent as well. And I don't think that Mourinho is innocent. And I don't think that anybody. I think everybody has a part to play in Spurs being Spurs. <laughs> Everyone has blame to take, but. It, it he's not entirely wrong either. He's ju- he's just not now. Could he have done it more tactfully? Could he have done it more nicely? Sure, but I gotta tell you, I I don't have a hard time disagreeing. And and I think they have to going forward if they want to. Depending on who they get next, because there's no way he's gonna be here next season. And after that, after scathing, I mean, how are they gonna finish top four or fight for top four? When he just had a whole press conference, you know when you're, and this is for a select group of people, you know when you're playing FIFA career mode and that you have these press conferences and you have like the the good response, the medium response, and the pissed off response. Well, he picked the pissed off response and spammed the hell out of the A button, and now his player his his players uh, morale meter just went a little bit to the left. I don't know how they finished top four after that press conference. I mean. 
who knows? Maybe this international break is the greatest thing to happen to Spurs and that they'll come back rejuvenated. I mean, but I even me, I have to kind of like get a hold of that to to really talk myself into that amount of positivity. It is what it is, and it's still a point, and if I really it sucks, but there's still some easy games down the road for, for Spurs. Well, I guess that was the easiest game of all, and they just lost it, so who the hell knows? But uh, next time, uh, April 3rd um, at Goodison, hopefully that's a win, for God's sake. Brighton is a team that they typically play well against. Uh, Bournemouth is the next three. So you've got... And then the Newcastle, uh, the top four battles come after that. So you've got three games to get ready for those top four battles. Hopefully something changes, but... Spurs front office, from everything I can tell, are with Conte on this, that the players aren't innocent, and they should take the majority of the blame. And you know what? I don't really disagree with that either. Conte's been a winner and a serial winner, like you mentioned, everywhere he's gone. And what keeps happening to all these managers that come here and suddenly say, this is the first time in my career that this has happened to me. How many managers have come to Spurs and said that? So the two common denominators are Daniel Levy, who I think has reasonably backed Conte well. He's been he's has he bought players that Conte hasn't want? Yes. Um but he did back him and the Poro deal looks like he's going to be the ultimate, you know, right wing back that Conte wants in his system. It's the other the other common denominator is the players, and I don't have a hard time disagreeing. I wish he would have gone about it differently, but it seems like they're kind of in lockstep that, yeah, the <laughs> both the front office and the, the manager are saying, yeah, it's the player's fault. And how will that go for the players? Will the players revolt? Will they just pack it in the rest of the season? Or will they have a chip on their shoulder and say, it's not me, it's you, and finish top four? Who knows? Um, but, yeah, Spurs, very entertaining club to talk about right now because it's absolute chaos and who the hell knows what's going on. Well, that was quite a uh, Thank you. a rant there. I mean, PTI, pardon the interruption, has always had a, a bit called Five Good Minutes, where they spend five good minutes in the middle of the show with a guest. I mean, you'd be perfect for that. You just gave <laughs> me a five-minute solo rant on how you feel and what you think is wrong with the club. From where I sit, just briefly, because there's not really a ton to add, um, It's it's all about for me, what's going to happen with Harry Kane? Because at this point, as you said, the the uh, the writing's on the wall for Conte not to be there next year, but we don't know what's going to happen with Kane. They can do one of three things. He can re-up and he'd be there forever and be a club legend and probably break the Premier League all-time record. Mm-hmm. They can sell him this summer to a Premier League club, probably Manchester United, because he's not going to City with Holland there, and they're not selling him to any London clubs. So if option three is on the table where they let him go on a free next summer, that's probably the worst-case scenario. So everything's coming to a head this summer, just like it does in the NHL, just like it does in, in any other sport, Major League Baseball. When players are coming up for their final year, the most value that they have is when they have a year left on their contract. And right now we'll see Mm -hmm. what they do and what he does. That's all I care about right now for Spurs is the future of Harry Kane. They made their bed with Conte. They have to lie in it. 
He will be gone at the end of the year. They will bring in a new manager, whether it's Pochettino, whether it's Tuchel, whether it's uh, Deserba. I saw another guy who was the Spanish manager, the Enrique or something. Um, was yeah, Link- yep, Luis, yep, Luis Enrique. Yeah, who, correct. Who used, coach, who used to coach the Spanish team. He could be an option. So the, the, again, if here's the thing with Spurs, it's like they're they're a big club to the point of where if they had the right people in place steering the ship, they have all the backing to be one of the biggest clubs and best clubs in the world. The problem is they're run so poorly from the top down and they just get the wrong players and the wrong, and it's, it's not all the managers like Josie Marino didn't turn into a loser overnight. Mm -hmm. They they sacked him before the, the Carabao cup final. Yep. Like, there's something wrong with that. Like, yeah. you know, I read so that that was to distract from the Super League. It's a lot deeper than the. It's a lot deeper than the three-one. You know, letting up two goals late to Southampton. They really do have to. Conte's got a point there. Like all the stuff that I, you know, I joke about, whatever. That's so Spursy and stuff. It's because it is. Just because they finished above Arsenal in the league the last few years. That has That's more to say about that has more to say about Arsenal than it does. Mm-hmm. Arsenal were Arsenal were in ruins compared to where they are now, with guys like Mesut Ozil and Pierre Pierre Emerick Aubameyang, and even even before that, Alexis Sanchez, and like they weren't winning uh, after he left, and they won a couple of FA Cups. It was barren times for them. They didn't win anything. Yeah. So no, I'm I'm with you on that. We'll see what happens, but again, my eyes are on Harry Kane. And what happens with him? And I, that's, I that's am under the impression that from everything that I've read from Spurs sources that I trust, they are ready to take this into next year, and there is no intent to sign him to sell him this summer. Which is which is perfectly fine, but that'll all change if Kane goes to them and says, "I, I want to go." So that's all well and good, and I mm-hmm. wouldn't expect anything less from anybody associated with the club or from anybody who. Is covering the club because yeah. they're not going to want to. They're not going to want to make waves, and only the papers who want the, uh, you know, the sensational headlines and stuff, the sensationalized headlines and stuff like that, you know, the the tabloids and stuff. They'll go with the rumors about you know he's Manchester United's first choice in the summer, or it's not Bellingham and da da da. So you you just have to believe what's coming from certain journalists mouths like like Fabrizio Romano or David Ornstein or guys that are respected journalists and just kind of uh, block out the noise and see what's going to happen for your striker uh, come the summertime because it's going to be really an interesting time for your club with a new manager coming in mm-hmm. and basically he's going to have to sell Harry Kane on the new project for like the fourth time correct yeah but he's he they again. You said it though. They've sold them before. You know, it's not out of the question they could do it again, especially if it's a Pochettino yeah. or someone that. And you know, I'm well, going to sound. Yeah. It, there's a lot of good pieces for a rebuild that are in this squad that they've. Like I think Basuma could be a world class. He was really good at Brighton, and of course he comes here and in typical Spurs fashion, not himself, and then gets hurt. So I mean, there. That's just one example. Bentancur. Uh, Kulosevsky, Poro. I mean, these are all really good pieces. Um, are they all? Are they all fitting together in this puzzle? What when you put them together? What does the puzzle look like? Uh, depends on, I guess, who you ask. Um, we we are about to hit the the forty minute mark, so we can table Spurs for now. 
Um, I did want to talk about the FA Cup because a lot of those, um, the draw happened. So uh, City uh, 6-0 over Burnley. You hate to see it. Uh, Sheffield United, which would have been Spurs if they won and just put out a strong squad or showed up with the squad that they put out, um, beat Blackburn at home 3-2. So it's City versus Sheffield United at Wembley and then Brighton versus the winner of United and Fulham which I believe is in the 38th minute, still scoreless as we record. You guys will know the answer by the time that this is published. So Brighton versus probably Man United, but who knows. Um, Could this be a Manchester derby in the FA Cup final? That is a match, even though my squad is out of it, that I would probably tune in for. That To me, that's the ultimate scenario, right? Yeah, that's definitely... um... A, a fun matchup. United going for two trophies. Manchester City going for possibly three. Actually, United could be going for three trophies if they end up winning the Europa League since mm-hmm. they're alive in that. But in ter- they already won the Carabao Cup and City going for the Champions League and also the Premier League. And Manchester United going for the FA Cup and, like I said, the Europa League. So they're both going for the treble. And uh, it would be uh, quite the feat for either one of them. Um, it's 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 quite remarkable how if City win the FA Cup and the Champions League but don't win the Premier League, how will their fans feel? I'm sure they'll be ecstatic. And I would be too, it, especially yeah. if I got the trophy that I, I've been – that has been eluding this um, – uh, this club since the uh, the owners came in f- about 15 years ago, so um, that's how I, I mean I'd still be ecstatic. But yeah, no, it would be great to see a final between City and United, and it would be a proper final because frankly nobody would re- really. I mean, you'd favor City, but United can definitely um, pull an upset, and um, with with the fans being half and half on each side of Wembley, one half red, one half blue, and that's definitely a game I tune in for. Um, and the other uh, competition that we care about, uh, neither one of our squads are in it, but there are a couple English squads in it, is the Champions League. The draws come out, the Elite Eight, if you will, and one side of the bracket is stronger than the other. Uh, one of these things is not like the other, and it's the one side of the bracket. Real Madrid versus Chelsea, that sucks. Hang on. <laughs> um, uh, Manchester City versus uh, Bayern Munich, that sucks for them. Um, and then on the other side of the bracket, uh, AC Milan, Napoli, and Benfica. Congratulations to them at Inter Milan. Um, I got to say, I think this is Napoli's to win here. They're so red hot. They have a chance to get to the final, and anything can happen in a Champions League final. Uh, Bayern uh, against City. I don't. That, to me, that could go either way, and I expect Real Madrid to beat Chelsea, but Chelsea has, these, has this tendency to be really good in the Champions League and really crap in the Premier League, and those things typically coincide with each other. Um, What do you think about the Elite Eight? I think Napoli's draw, obviously, their side of the draw is clearly easier than the other side. I mean, it doesn't take Stevie Wonder to see that, but in terms of how their league form is progressing, they're still at the top of the league. And they're still firing on all cylinders. Victor Osimhen is going to be wanted by Premier League clubs in the in the transfer market in the summertime because he's put on such a great performance this year, just scoring goals every game for Napoli. And they're going to be a handful for any of those four sides to get through, whether it be either of the two English sides. And we could have an all English semifinal, which That'd be would fun. be fun. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you know, we we've had all English finals before, uh, a few of them actually. I so, I wouldn't know. Yeah, uh, I, no, I could not be asked. I would never know no. that. 
No, you wouldn't know. But that was <gasps> that was that was, that was one that didn't go your way. Uh, no, no, and 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 and, and this year's finals back in Istanbul, which is where Liverpool actually overcame a three 0 deficit at halftime to AC Milan and came back and won an uh, extra time, which was uh, quite remarkable. I think it was 2005, I believe. That was when the Champions League was still on ESPN. We'll throw back there, sponsored Ooh. by nobody. Sponsored by nobody. And um, the, uh, the, the, the other side of the bracket in terms of the, the, the two heavyweight matchups, yes, of course, Chelsea has pulled out results, but if they if, – if they play anything like they have been in the league, they're not going to be scoring goals, and they're going to have a really hard time keeping Real Madrid out of their out of their eighteen yard box. And the other tie is blockbuster. I mean, that could go any any yeah. way. You got a couple of guys on loan at at Bayern from City, and uh, Leroy Sané. Are they allowed and, to play? Because uh, I know in the FA Jao, Cup, it's kind of weird. And Jao Cancelo. I'm not exactly sure the rules on that, but um, I imagine they are. But I, maybe that's just an FA thing that if you loan somebody to a a Portsmouth, then they can't play against you know right. Arsenal within the same association. I don't know. Um, regardless, it's the Champions League is going to be the the Elite Eight to me will be especially the English side of the bracket will be very uh, entertaining to watch. Yeah, even though my spot is not in it. Yeah, once you get down to the quarterfinals, that's when things really start revving up. Unfortunately, Tottenham won't be a part of it because. Again, and back to your club for just one second here oh, as we wrap up another uh, action-packed edition. Look at some 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 things have to be pointed at the manager, though. I mean, uh, when I did say that he was right, and that and that reminds me, the FA Cup and all these other competitions that we keep talking about. I do want to go back to one thing um, about Conte. Mm-hmm. He didn't play Kane in the in the FA Cup. Uh, game against uh, Sheffield United and thought he can get by without his best striker. He needed a goal against AC Milan and brought on Davison Sanchez, who was a defender. Um, <laughs> and then, and then yesterday he brings Kulusevski on, but then takes him off, so he subs the sub. So he's done some wacky stuff, also. And this mm-hmm. isn't the first time that he's exploded. I mean, he exploded after the Burnley game last year when they lost 1-0. And, and they ended up responding to that and uh, with a, a big assist from Arsenal's kind of late-season swoon there. Ended up getting <laughs> getting in the top four. Yeah, we laugh at that. But we also laugh at the fact that, you you know, when when your manager says the tie is over after you lost one nothing in Italy. No. So, well, did he know that is, they which, won which Serie A last year? He mentioned it about 500 times. Yeah, which is yeah, which is a complete joke. So it's going to be um, it's interesting times for both clubs. It's smooth sailing for one, and we'll see if your club can get uh, can start dumping the water out of the ship if uh, they start pailing it out of the ship as it's slowly sinking. It's like uh, the like putting the the finger in the dam. You know what I mean? And the holes keep keep popping out of the dam, and more and more, yeah. and you run out of fingers eventually. Um, yeah, we'll see. But we'll but we'll be back. Um, you know, after the international break to talk about what happened uh, a little bit with the U.S. And we'll see if there's some news with your manager. We'll have some injury updates. And, um, yeah, and, and Champions League's uh, back in April. So uh, fun times for soccer as we uh, as we head down the stretch into May. I agree. Uh, an impromptu uh, Stars and Strikers via uh, the London Club Council probably next time. And a very patriotic episode uh, next week. Uh, and then previewing that. 
and probably after that reviewing the U.S. games, maybe the England games too, who knows, and then uh, get back to club competitions during April. Uh, Until next time, uh, this has been the London Club Council. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.